Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I am your host, Sharnell Lennox, and today I am joined via phone conference with a previous coworker, longtime friend of mine, Jason. Hello, public. If you are a Patreon, then you are already familiar with Jason because your one of your August bonus episodes already featured him. And uh, I will say, Mr. Jason, that uh my Patreons seem to really enjoy having some testosterone on the podcast because so far you're a hit. It's, it's like ch- chicken soup for the soul. It's good for everybody. Yes, that's what people say after they meet you. I'm I'm sure of it. But I, I'm so glad to have his testosterone. Mm-hmm. You are our first testosterone on the podcast. You know, we well, were an, a, an all female podcast, so this is this is a little bit different for everybody. But I think it's a good a good change. So I appreciate it when you can come on and uh, give us some diversity here. I'm glad you're trying new things. Mm-hmm. Now, let me give for those of you who aren't Patreons a little update. So Jason and I have been friends for many years. His background is in uh, I what was your what are your degrees in, Jason? Tell the people. Um. My bachelor's degree is in sociology and criminology, and I guess technically my master's is in education, but it's just collecting dust. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then work, work-wise, work I've got about, well, about 12 years of investigative experience. For yes. Yes, Jason and I were CPS workers together, and he is still a CPS worker for a branch that works, uh, does investigations on children in care. So sometimes I do get to work with him if there's a case on my daycares. So sometimes we are still co-workers and that's fun even though the work is difficult at times. So yeah, that's a little background. Uh, We've known each other for about 12 years or so and good friends. So you know, hopefully you guys, you can sit back and enjoy as I tell you this tale today. I will say this case was suggested by listener Lauren, and thank you so much for sending this to me. She's probably going to be shocked that she had requested this, and I'm already covering it, but this is what happened, you guys. I opened up a link to kind of read about it, but then I couldn't stop. Like some, If you ever do research for something You'll know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes things just hit different and you get wrapped up and you go down rabbit holes. And this case was like that for me. I literally was was thinking about it at 2.30 in the morning and you'll understand why. So I'm basically here to bring you absolutely no peace and answers. I'm just going to bring you into the same hell as everybody else who knows about this case and is left wondering what the fuck actually happened to this child. So technically he was an adult, but he was only 18. So in my eyes, you know, still a babe. But um, Jason, have you ever heard of, this is the case of Joshua Vernon Maddox. No, you mentioned it to me earlier and it's kind of the basis of what happened. I've never heard the story. I did not know anything about this case until today. Okay. Well, you might want to grab yourself a stiff drink for this one because it's... (laughs) Oh, good. Perfect. I myself have a little wine and I'm going to uh, 
you know, tell you the story as we know it thus far. And I'd really like to hear your guys' comments on it. What do you think happened? Um, if you start researching this, I tell you, you can go down many Reddit threads and rabbit holes too, which are, can be fun sometimes. But there's lots of theories out there about what might have really happened to this man. So we'll start with Joshua, as we always like to start off giving some information about our victim. Um, so Josh, Joshua was born March 9th, 1990 in Colorado Springs, Colorado. His parents were Michael Albert and Roberta. She is remarried now. Um, I think her last name now is Bertai, if I'm pronouncing that right. Bertai Lee Schmier. Schmier. How would you pronounce Schmier? this? S-C-H-M-E-H-R. Schmier. Schmier. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it looks like. Anyway, they are both lifelong residences, residences, residents of Colorado. And Joshua was the fourth child and the youngest child of uh, Michael and Roberta. Joshua had two older sisters. Their names were Kate and Ruth. And he had an older brother named Zachary. Now, he was homeschooled through the first two grades and then he attended Woodland Park school system through high school and he lived in Woodland Park which is a very small town of about 8,000 people and it's located in the Pike National Forest. So from Joshua's obituary um, his family described him as a gifted intelligent young man that placed high in scholastic testing. He had a great sense of humor and wit he was a writer, an artist. He had many close friends. He had actually invented a comic strip, which he called Stickman and Smiley. I, I feel like we could be the characters of Stickman and Smiley, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, you're definitely Stickman. Oh, my God. I thought you were Stickman. I'm Smiley. You think you're Smiley? I Well, I'm not Stickman anymore. I haven't seen you in a while, but. COVID wasn't good to me. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So thick man and smiley it is. Never mind. Thick, okay, yeah, thick man. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Joshua spent many hours developing um, his comic strips and sharing them with people. He was also nicknamed Dwa by his sisters, Josh, or by his sisters. What was his nickname? Dwa, which, listen, I looked it up. Like, DW, like DWA? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just it wasn't. I just didn't really understand if I heard you correctly. Yeah, you did, and I didn't. I didn't really understand what that was like for. So I looked it up, and I couldn't really find that it's associated with anything. I think it was just a cute family nickname that was probably short for Josh Ua, you know, just Dwa. So well, that's probably what one of the one of the siblings probably called him that when they were little kids. Yeah, pronounced Joshua. That's what I'm thinking too. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And then they think it's cute, and then their kids. 17 years old and someone's calling him Dwa and people are asking questions, but that's fine. Listen, my siblings nicknamed me Chucky, which is nothing like my actual name and does not describe my personality if you're familiar with the possessed doll. So what the fuck do siblings know? Right? Good, good point. Right. My cousin has a kid and he's like 24 years old and when he was growing up, she called him Punce, like P-U-N-C-E. Oh. And I was like, and I told her, I was like, that's going to sound really dumb when he's in college. And sure enough, <laughs> It does. Like, yeah. I was like, that's really yeah. awkward when your college kids are calling you punk. Right. Exactly. I think this is probably no exception. It just started with his sisters and stuck with him. But Can I also just put it real quick. Like, I've done this as my second appearance here, and you've picked two random stories, and both occurred in random cities in the country that we don't live in, but I've been to. Yeah, that is weird. 
And you're not exactly that well-traveled. No, I mean, so, I have a very limited amount of places I go, but I've been to Colorado Springs like just a couple of years ago. Nice place. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's what, Well, that's actually a really big part of this case, and you'll understand why in a minute, of just like how, you know, nature it is and beautiful it is. So there's not... Um, a ton of valid, what I would call valid source material to really know what kind of actual childhood that Joshua had, okay? Um, Because all of this kind of comes out like later, but what I do know is that his older brother, Zachary, completed suicide just two years prior to the disappearance of Joshua. It was June 1st, 2006, And the week of Zachary's high school graduation, he himself was only 18 years old. So Joshua would have been 16 at the time, and he was extremely close with his brother Zachary. Now, Zachary did suffer from severe depression, but naturally the suicide shook the family, of course, and Joshua had struggled with the sudden loss. So when I first read this, I thought to myself, holy shit, these parents lost both of their 18-year-old sons because they had two sons, two daughters. Neither one of them lived past 18 years old. That is terrible. Yeah, that's kind of unimaginable awfulness. Yes. So his father was quoted in the media saying, quote, I buried his older brother two years before, and it was so difficult on Josh. When his brother died, it pushed him over the edge. It was a big shock for the family and a big shock for Josh. He thought highly of his older brother, end quote. So we also know that Josh's parents, Mike and Roberta, were divorced at the time of Josh's disappearance, but it's unclear to me when the divorce had actually happened. So I'm not sure if this was something that the family was also going through, if they went through it after the death of Zachary, or if it was like an early childhood thing. I have no idea. Um, I will say, though, as I mentioned before, that there's a lot of Reddit threads, so I'm very aware that Reddit is not a reliable source of information, but I found some things very peculiar that, you know, sometimes it can be complete hot garbage, but other times there are threads where you're like, okay, when you've got multiple threads and you have multiple people saying very similar things, there's probably a connection here. So a lot of people had said that they knew Joshua's father firsthand and found him to be domineering arrogant. I guess he had almost had a career in music and like that gave him, you know, a, a big head or whatever. And that delusions he was, of grandeur. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Delusions of grandeur grandeur. And I, he I know big I know big words. I'm really impressed right now, actually. Keep sipping that whiskey and probably not, but <laughs> it's funny that I didn't tell you what I was thinking, but you can get <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so he's overall a basic jerk. Now, those are other just some people's impression, and my heart breaks for any parent who has to bury not one but two children in their lifetime because that is so unnatural and unfair. So I'm not here to suggest that Mike was a bad father or anything, but it is possible that the home life Joshua Joshua lived in was far from perfect, but no one is perfect. No one lives a flawless life unless you're fucking Betty White, okay, because she was a gem and a literal angel. But I mention this because we are all we're left with in this case are theories. And I think it's important to know as much as we can and look at pieces that might be easy to miss 
And to me, Joshua's home life is one of them because for many years, he was thought to have just walked away from his life, So, which was not the case. So why would his family think that he would do this if things were perfect? But anyway, at the time of Joshua's disappearance, he was described as being happy in life and well-adjusted. But in much of what I could find, the death of his brother had, of course, devastated him. So I'm sure that even though he was taking life day by day, there were some days that were much harder than others for him, as it would be for anybody, I would imagine. The other thing, Jason, is that Joshua was described as a free spirit and that he often liked to just take long walks in the woods and they did literally live in a national forest. And like you were saying, Colorado Springs is beautiful, very nature-y. Um, well, it's, it's Colorado, so I'm guessing hiking is a daily occurrence for a large population of people there. Right, just going to the mailbox it probably yeah. is what we right. would consider a hike. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, there's much, I mean, we're in Michigan, like, oh, Michigan's so outdoorsy, but like, no, we're really not. Right, right. Not nearly to this level, like not, for not, sure. Not compared, not compared to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Think, like, that, that's literally what they do. Yep. So I I do think that his, you know, free spiritness and nature walks, this is very relevant into this case as well. So let me take you to May 8th, 2008. At this time, Joshua is living with his father and two sisters. He's 18 and otherwise seemingly happy. Josh left the house telling his sister Kate that he was going out for a walk. Now, he often went out hiking alone. So when his sister saw him at the house before he left, she thought little of it. Like, okay, see you later, bro. Peace out. But when he failed to return later that evening, obviously they become a little bit worried. And the next morning, Mike, his dad, wakes up. Josh still isn't there. So he starts calling around to his family and friends. But he did not file a missing person report until five days later on May 13th. This part has been a source of contention for the super sleuths on the internet for sure. And I totally get it because as a parent, I know that I would have been at the police station immediately. And well, yeah, that's, that's definitely shady. Like even for, you know, even though he's 18, like if there's no communication, no phone calls, no nothing, within 24 hours, be like, hey, my son's missing. Right, um, right. And, you know, everyone knows, but, you know, the rule of thumb is they won't consider a person missing until after at least 24 hours or whatever it is, but five days. Yeah, five days is a long time. You're going to wait a work week? I, <laughs> right, five business days. Um, I will th- say that it's perhaps because what the information we don't know Perhaps Josh has done this before. That wasn't said, but this is just me spitballing. Um, has he done this before? Is he known to just go off and seek solitude, especially after the death of his brother? So is that why they weren't super concerned? Because he was a free spirit, very uh, musically inclined, you know, very connected to his creative side so was there reason to believe for those five days that you know he's probably gonna pop up I'm not sure there are some other people that have said oh the police won't even accept them as a missing person unless so much time has passed but I actually reached out to a law enforcement friend of mine and he said no that's actually not true you can report somebody missing like whenever you want but it is up to the police jurisdiction of when they actually like put out the be on the lookout bulletin and 
and open a missing person's case. So they did open a missing person case um, right away at this point in time when his dad filed it because five days had passed. The other problem here, Jay, is that he is 18. So like he's not a child. He's an adult. If he legitimately wanted to walk away from life, he can. So yeah, yeah, I don't think that there was a ton of like snap to action. Right. Like, but with no, with I mean, no communication with anybody, it sounds like he noticed, like he told his sister he's going for a walk or whatever. And right. Just he's got two sisters that I would speculate that he was close with after his brother died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of like peace out and taking a walk and didn't tell anybody like anything. But he didn't have. He was such a smart, likable kid. He didn't have friends that he talked to us at hand and I'm just leaving like no one had a clue right like he wanted to like run away or whatever the case may be and just disappear from his family and no friends no one else has had, seen him like, or have, heard from he him didn't, he, didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't tell he didn't leave any hints to anybody that he was just going and he didn't take anything from the house he was going for a walk it's 2008 cell phones are not in their day, heyday like they are now you know yeah but I'm pretty sure most people had a cell phone in 2008 yeah, I think that was the year I got my first iPhone, and I really thought that I was hot shit because I had myself well, right. an iPhone. You know, an I upgraded iPhone from a flip phone. Well, mm-hmm. I think it was 99 where I had one with a little, like, pull-out antenna. So, not, I mean, nine years later, mm-hmm. yeah, they were they were, they were were pretty common. Yeah, of course, they were in, there. Of course, Colorado Springs, I'm going to yeah. venture to guess there's a lot of places where there's not a lot of service back then. Absolutely, yes. Probably is still now. (laughs) Right. Extensive searches were done for Josh at this point. And an article that I read on strangeoutdoors.com said, quote, the authorities, friends, and family scoured the neighborhood and nearby Parkland area where Josh may have decided to go walking. After months of searching, nothing had been uncovered and hopes faded. Josh's sister, Kate, hoped that he had simply left town to go play music or start a different life, end quote. She, Kate was actually had wrote, I believe in an, uh, to a media outlet that since Josh was 18, it has been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town to start a new life. As one of his two older sisters, I have always chosen to believe that this was the case. I have expected Josh to return home to my family's house at any time with a wife and small children so that they can meet their grandparents and two aunts. Josh has always been known for his musical and literary talent, so maybe we would find him playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods, end quote. So I do think that this contributed, this case or this statement right there is what kind of really led me to believe that the reason maybe they didn't file the missing person report as quickly as maybe some other people would have is because they, given his personality, they didn't really think him going into solitude was unusual. If that's fair I to think, say, I think that's I think that's unusual for anybody. It's not. I mean, I'm just curious because he was 18, so he wasn't a child. He could leave home whenever he wanted to if he's living with his father and his sisters. Mm-hmm. And like they thought, oh, he just left and he just decided not to come back and not tell anybody. Like that would make it in like. Mm -hmm. imply that maybe he was being held captive and trying to escape that home well which which i suppose we'll we'll find out more right i mean that might be a possibility we actually don't know yet but um but yeah i mean either either way it took him five days so the police 
not having any reason to suspect foul play, they just list him as a missing person. That's how they have the case. And the family was left with no answers as time goes on. So now I'm going to introduce to you another person as, as time went on. This person's name is Chuck Murphy. He was 80 years old. He was a builder from Colorado Springs. And he had actually purchased a cabin that was located just about a mile away from the Maddox home. He purchased it back in the 1950s um, on Meadowlark Lane, which was in a large area of land surrounded by tall pines. Okay, so a coal, a, a coal. Let me start that over again. First day talking, it's hard. Got it. Okay. <laughs> According to several sources that are cited in my show notes, it had formerly been, like this cabin, had formerly been part of the homestead of the Thunderhead Ranch that was located like in Woodland Park's north side. And it had actually been moved to its location on Meadowlark Lane because it had a lot of historical um history to, you know, historical, that history. That's what I mean. <laughs> Had a lot of historical history. It did. It had a lot of historical history, everyone. Yes. Because it was it was actually sounds like a place that you would have hung out had you been alive back in the nineteen thirties, by the way. It was an infamous dining, drinking, and gambling p- complex owned by Big Bert Bergstrom. Big Bert. Sounds like my kind of place. Yeah. First, absolutely. Like you could be Big Bert. Big Bert Bergstrom. It was owned by him from the 1930s to the 1950s when Chuck Murphy bought it. And he had actually come uh, to America from Sweden in 1912 and ran the Thunderhead Inn as a dining and drinking establishment until the end of Prohibition. So I just I slapped a little Bert, history Bert on you. Yeah, Bert did. Came from Sweden. That's, that's a truck back then. Absolutely. So he used the ranch as an illegal gambling and prostitution den until he was arrested by the FBI. Poor Big Bert. But gambling gets hookers. Why is that a problem now? Well, I'm going to tell you the jury didn't. It's not a problem now. (laughs) No, right. The jury didn't think it was a problem back then either because they found him not guilty. Even better. Yeah. So, but he decided to sell his establishment, and that is what this cabin is that is now on Meadow Lark Lane. That's owned by Chuck. Okay, Chuck Murphy. I want. I just want to interrupt. I want you to make me a shirt that says Big Bert Thunder Ranch. <laughs> Big. Oh my gosh, we could merch. merch. Big Bert. What was our merch from the Patreon episode? She's lying through her taint. Yeah. 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 Which, uh, mm-hmm. We got. We have a I couple. Of, I guess your. I guess your regular listeners are used to that expression, but mm-hmm. but they are still shockingly new to me. I love how you acted like a debutante at the ball when I said that. Like you've never heard me say the word taint. Like come on, man. I've heard you say the word. I've just never heard the expression lying through your taint. Oh well, I mean, I made it like, up on the one. fly. When oh yeah, like, I, I don't know. I thought that was like something you just say all the time i didn't realize that was the first time you just pulled that out of your anus yes we are unscripted here that's that was just something that flew out of my mouth much like everything else i don't know how often i know you've been doing this while i just know how often that subject comes up in unsolved murders (laughs) you'd be surprised you really would (laughs) hang around for a while you'll see what i mean so so here this i do think that it's important to put in the historical part of the cabin because it makes me wonder 
later if that might have been a reason why Josh was visiting it. So we're going to, we'll come back to how we visited it, but. I realized we got off on a tangent. Where, where was Thunder Ranch located? So the Thunder Ranch itself was located on Woodland Park's north side, but it had been moved that that particular cabin that we are talking about today had been moved to its location on Meadow uh, Lark Lane. This is all in in Colorado Springs. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so. Um, Chuck's brother had actually used the cabin for a while, but he moved out in 2005. So Chuck decides in 2015, you know what, this has been unoccupied for 10 years. Chuck himself was using it as just like a random storage facility. He only came to it when, you know, every now and again. I don't even know how much he really went into it so much as just visited the property because the cabin itself was dilapidating. So um, animals had even kind of gotten into it. You know, I'm thinking like small rodents and whatnot. And that had been an issue. And so Chuck decides he's going to demolish this. And he starts his demolition on August 7th, 2015. And as he enters the cabin, he realizes that there is a noticeable stench in there. But of course, I mean, it's a dilapidated cabin. It's not going to smell like roses. So the workers are doing their thing. They're organizing, you know, having a careful organization of the the uh, dismantling. The, I almost said dismemberment of the cabin, but, you know, that works too. And they started working on one of the chimneys. Now, there were actually two chimneys on this cabin. But as he's working on one of them, he suddenly makes a very horrific discovery. And that is the mummified body of a young man. So he stops his crew, they stop everything that they're doing, and they call the police, and the police and the coroner come. Now, Chuck reported, Chuck and his crew reported, that this body was crumpled into a fetal position. So I want y'all to picture the fetal position, because this is going to be, without a diagram, it can be a little bit confusing. So picture a full-grown man, 18-year-old man, in the fetal position. He's got his butt, and it's in a chimney, but he has his legs above his head, and his head is facing downward. So if you are standing in front of a chimney, okay, his head, and you were to like look up the chimney, his head would, and knees, his knees are above his head, but his head is facing downward. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I know this is probably a, too specific of a detail. Was it I mean, your average size chimney? It's pretty small. It's very small. I it's mean, very small. I don't know. I don't know how how big of a. I mean, like I said, he was an adult. I don't know how big of a person Josh was, but but however, in old old buildings and old cabins, sometimes those chimneys were significantly larger than the ones we see modern day. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, like I said, there were two chimneys. The other chimney was bigger than the chimney that his body was found in. And I can answer your question. Joshua was six feet tall and 150 pounds. Okay. So, so that, that's was, a big he was, boy. He was, he was tall and mm-hmm. tall and kind of, kind of skinny. Skinny. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, so but, like, that's lanky. 
It is. Yep, exactly. And when you see pictures of him, he had like this gorgeous long blonde hair and he you can you can see in his school photos that he is just like the tall, lanky, great smile like artistic kid. Like he just I don't know, he has a like like sunshine from Remember the Titans. Yeah, actually, yes. Exactly. So, through dental records, they were able to positively identify the body to be that of the missing Joshua Maddox. So, this is here's some problems that are presented, Jay. Since they were mid-demolition when all this happened, when the police arrived, Josh's body and the scene had been disturbed. So, he was no longer in the chimney. So, how he was really lodged in the chimney is not document documented like firsthand by trained investigators and police officers okay forensically yeah exactly and that the positioning of his body has been what has really stumped a lot of people because it's like okay did he crawl down that chimney or was he put up the chimney so okay so there's there's three options he crawled up or down the chimney, probably down it because the place was likely locked. Mm-hmm. The or windows were boarded up. So, yeah, he. I mean, uh, hypothetically, maybe he climbed up the roof and decided to crawl down the chimney. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, like you said, the position being going ahead first, that's not how I would go down the chimney, but who knows what could happen. Mm-hmm. Two, he was put there post-mortem, mm-hmm. which was an, also an awkward way to... Yeah, to dump him head first, essentially. To dump a body. And three, he was put up there against his will, which I'm thinking is the most unlikely. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like you can, not to make light of that, but I'm I'm imagining, I don't know firsthand, obviously, I'm imagining forcing someone up a chimney is not real easy and they wouldn't go up ass first. No, probably not. Probably not. But we're going to get to some detail. All of what you're saying is exactly what I was thinking when I was reading this too and researching. But we're going to get to some details that I am telling you what is going to twist your titties and make it so you can't sleep. Because we are looking at this logically. But as I tell you more details, you're going to be like, well, what the fuck? There is no logic here. So I do want to talk a little bit about the fact that the remains were mummified. Um, I kind of, I looked this up. So in the coroner's report, they were described that way as well. And I find mummified. Yes, that's what I'm going to do because I don't want people to think that this means like the Egyptian times where he was disemboweled and wrapped in. Yeah, it's not like that. It's natural mummification. And so that can happen where there's low oxygen levels and different environmental factors, like really cold temperatures, like you'd find in Colorado. That can cause this to happen. And obviously the oxygen levels in the tight space of a brick and mortar chimney are not going to be, you know, as high as they're going to be in other, you know, he wasn't as exposed to the elements. So I think that that really contributed to his mummified state. But the fact that he was mummified did help the autopsy report to be a little bit more specific because... Initially, because there were some things left that, you know, natural decomposition wouldn't have left after seven years. So not to be too morbid here, but, you know, it's important that we look at all this. So initially, based on the description of how he was found, the autopsy results revealed that Joshua had no drugs in his system or alcohol. 
He did not have any broken bones, and he did not suffer from any gunshot or knife wounds. They could do a talk screen after 25 years. There, w- It was seven years. Where'd you get 25? Are you even listening yeah, to me? When did they find him? 2015. He went missing in 2008. I don't know why I thought it was 98. I'm sorry. I'm not sure, but I, keep oh, up, man. He fucking had one whole whiskey. Jesus. <laughs> Lightweight. So here's here's the kicky in the nuts part. He was found wearing only. Well, a, hold on, I, but back to the other question. Okay, how many years was it? Nine Se- years. Seven. Jesus, seven years. are numbers hard for you today? The fuck. Apparently, apparently, I don't know what's going on. Um. So, but after even after seven years, a talk screen would have results. So, like I blood would be. Right up oh, right. yeah, it is. But they actually mm-hmm. can test like bones and ligaments and whatnot. And since he was mummified, there were still tissues. Wow. All right. I'm just that. Yeah. That's but right. Me, but, okay. but I'm going to throw this in here. Right. Is it possible that just because all see autopsy reports are very scientific. All they're saying is that at the time that they tested things, there was nothing found. But that doesn't mean that he never consumed anything on that well, right. day, I mean, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that, that yep. was what I was thinking. Like, just because it didn't show up on the test seven years later, seven. Yep, right. I'm, years. I'm with you, um, and I actually did put that in my notes later to say that you know, the these autopsy reports are scientific, and so it was. It's very matter of fact. There was yeah, nothing it, there, it, but that doesn't mean that there nev- it never existed. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. Yep. So just because you know, it didn't show up on that screen doesn't mean it wasn't there seven years ago. Right, right. So I, 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 I agree with you, and so do some of the other internet sleuths. <laughs> but, um, okay, so brace yourself. Like, grab your bits, get your tenders in order. This is the part that really makes us all shake our heads. He was found, Jay, wearing only a thermal shirt. Nothing else. Like, naked in a thermal shirt. Exactly. No pants, no underwear, socks, nothing but what God and his mama gave him from the waist down. Okay, so I'm assuming he didn't have the thought of, hey, I'm going to take my pants off in Colorado and then just be like, and climb down this chimney. You mean climb down a chimney with your dick hanging out? No. Who does that? That's a horrible idea. Where there's Um, rebar and brick and mortar? Yeah, it's not like it's marble and it's smooth on your ass. Right. It's, no, no, it's you're definitely... risking recircumcision. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong with that. Right. So I'm assuming he didn't, he didn't get there voluntarily. Right. That's the piece that it's like, oh, wait, holy shit. Okay. So the coroner's name was Al Bourne. Al and, Bourne? No. <laughs> Al Bourne. B-O-R-N. Uh. <laughs> Al Gore. <laughs> Like, no relation to Jason Bourne. No, nope, not that I'm aware of. Just Al. You know what I thought of was Al Borland on um, Home Improvement because I'm old as fuck. And... How the hell do you know Al's last name? That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my God. I'm a and nine... I, and I... Oh, my God. I'm a, I'm a TV movie buff. You put a gun to my head, and I would not. it would take me an hour <laughs> to remember Al's last name on Home Improvement. Yes. Yep. There it was. Al Borland. The coroner said... Quote, the hard tissues showed no signs of trauma. There is so far no answers to a number of things. It is very confusing. It was not instant death. How he died is only a matter of speculation, but we know that he did that he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. 
So then you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can take a few days. And the other thing would be hypothermia, which could take a day or two. We have no evidence to say which one came first, end quote. Okay, first, I can only picture this coroner with a beard and wearing a flannel shirt now. <laughs> Absolutely, with a tool belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but there's no, after that long, it's not like they can even get us like a, a time of death. He went missing X years ago. Right. But he could have been alive mm-hmm. for a very long time before, I mean, maybe, maybe he did go off. Maybe he did go off in his own recognizance and then six months later get abducted or something awful happened to him. So I don't know. I mean, I was just, yeah, that's a we, that's did, a very what, fair did point. Say, did we say did we say what time of year it was when he went missing? Yeah, it was May 8th. So it is still cold in Colorado. In May? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it depends where you're at. But yeah, it also, I mean, it fluctuates. Fuck, it's still cold in Michigan on May 8th. Mm, cold, cold, but not hypothermia cold. Well, but in the, so unless actually. You're in, unless you're on a mountain. I do have this information. At the time of his disappearance between May 8th, sure? between May 8th and May 10th, the temperature had dropped to the high 20s at oh, night. Okay. Yeah. All right. So hypothermia is a high option, especially yeah. if someone forced him up a chimney with in his skins or lack thereof. Right. Well, and there's something that I want to talk about about that, and I'll just get to it now since we're on the topic of the temperature. Have you ever heard of paradoxal undressing during a hypothermic state? <laughs> undressing who? Parad- I've never undressed a paradox, no. <laughs> a paradox. That's just, that's just weird. You're, you're right. Bestiality shit. You're right. But we do have a friend that dresses up her fake ducks for her front yard. So, I mean, it, you she technically does have to undress two ducks. But not a pair of ducks. Paradoxal undressing. So, this happens during hypothermia where your body actually tricks you into believing that you're super, super hot. And so, you start taking off your clothes. It's a state of hypothermia. Shockingly, I've never heard of that. Yeah. So I, I watch Bear, Bear Grylls. <laughs> well, he needs to talk about it more then. But it, it is a, a phenomenon that happens. And it was something that I happened to think of when I was reading through this and thought, okay, what if going by, you know, what if he did take something that altered his state of consciousness, passed out, woke up, was in states of hypothermia, stages of hypothermia, thought that he was super hot, stripped his clothes off, because I will tell you right now, the police found his clothes folded inside the cabin. That is a, that is a solid alternative hypothesis for now. Thank like, you. He, you're absolutely right. Again, they described him as this "quote unquote" free spirit. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Kind of a hippie. Sure. And sure. So maybe he went on his little journey. And can we just had this conversation last night about mushrooms? We did. Which is weird. Which is weird. But perhaps he took some sort of hallucinogenic, mind altering, mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. And again, decided I I see a dragon. I need to get naked and crawl up this chimney. Well, right. And there's there's the other thing. Besides paradoxal undressing, there is an instinct that is ingrained in us as well that we burrow for warmth and also out of fear. So, which 
I know. That explains, that explains, that explains why a girlfriend is just like sticking to see places they don't need to be when it's cold. Yes, exactly. It's the burrowing. It's it's a burrowing instinct. So what if he woke up? He was hot. He took his clothes off, then burrowed either out of for safety or for more warmth. Okay. You know, as in his well, hypothermic state. I'm going to I'm going to poke a hole in the warmth part. Like if it's cold, the the chimney's going to be like those those bricks don't retain heat if they're not if there's no nope. fire in them. Very good point. Yep, so absolutely. That, that, that would be cool. I feel like I think it's more if again if we're going down this road, it's more of a I'm hallucinating. I need to be in this chimney. Mm-hmm. Like a fear response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, a, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, like I'm seeking shelter and yep. I need to get away from the tiny monkeys that are terrorizing me during pickle game. Right. I agree with you. But we're going to introduce somebody else later who also it might not have actually been a mushroom inducing dragon so much as maybe an actual person that he might have yeah. been trying yeah, to get, a, like get rid of. Theory, I'm not supporting the theory. I'm just saying it's a, yeah. it's a legit it's a legit theory. Alternative hypothesis, which is really all we have to go on is theories here. So I'll give you the rest of the information and then we can kind of discuss. But um, okay, yes. So on on September 28th, 2015, um, he was discovered August 7th. So September 28th, uh, Al Bourne made a ruling on the death certificate as accidental death. Now, he had actually speculated that Josh had climbed into the chimney and become stuck in the brickwork. And he said that Josh's position in the chimney, quote, appeared to have been a voluntary act in order to gain access to the cabin. So he concluded that the most likely cause of death was hypothermia as the temperature around the time, like I said, had reached all the way down to the high 20s. I don't know how relative this is, but did the details of the research you have say where in the chimney he was found interesting was he at the the base of the chimney like if you're Mm -hmm. putting firewood you look up and he's right there or was he like us like 20 feet up towards the top of the house i appreciate you asking that because i did dig deep for that i tried um the problem is they don't really know because of the fact that he was found during demolition so it's like No, um, they were taking it apart like piece by piece, but there are conflicting reports of whether or not it was like halfway down, three quarters of the way down, because brick just started to fall away. Mm, That's concerning to me, the lack of. Mm -hmm. But at the same token, put yourself in like Chuck Murphy's position where he's just running a wrecking crew. They're going through. No one's really paying like super much attention because no one's expecting to find a dead body. Also, the mummified state of a body, it might have even taken them a hot minute to even figure out what the fuck they were looking at. I can tell you I don't think that I would recognize during demolition um, and I have demolished an old chimney before in my parents' old house, as a matter of fact. There were a ton of old animal remains and whatnot, but I couldn't identify them at first as remains from the rubble. Remember when, remember when we found the dead bats in your basement, like the fireplace and basement? Oh, my God. Don't. Re- no, I had repressed that memory. Ugh. Oh, also, also on a side note, <laughs> oddly enough, I know a guy who does construction in Colorado. 
Oh, that's really funny. Is his name Chuck? Well, it can't be. Chuck no. was 80 back in 2015. No, so. no his, his, name, his name is Lou. Maybe you could ask, ask Lou. I'm going to ask Lou. Well, I'm going to ask Lou. I want you to ask Lou about this next part, okay? So the police look at the autopsy. Autopsy. I don't know why I had an accent there. The autopsy report. Um, and they chalk it up as an accident, okay? So the family was not like real happy with this. Um, the coroner kind of believed this was that six weeks later. Yes, yeah, because it yeah. took a while to identify him through dental records. Well, I'm imp- no, I'm impressed. Well, no, they, they got the autopsy results. In six oh weeks. yeah, yeah, yep. I'm still I'm still waiting on one. It's going to take another five months. Yeah, I know. I mean, Colorado, I, they do shit fast, I guess. So yeah, no, they're they're intense. Now, so now with. Like little information, I, I looked up some information about the local police, okay? I found plenty of information to indicate that seven years prior when Josh originally went missing, the police had received many tips that they chose to ignore and not follow up on, probably because he was 18 years old. And oftentimes they did not return calls from people because they literally just chalked this up to an 18-year-old who walked away with like a new for a new life. There was even a point in time in that seven years when the missing person case was closed because, quote, Joshua Maddox is just fine and living in the next town over, end quote. What? Yeah. What yeah. was that what source of that from? Um, oh, no, that is 100% firsthand from the occupants of the town that told and they told the media his friends and family and and townspeople is that what we want to call them locals um yes locals have had a lot to say in the media that's super weird that the locals are like oh no he's fine oh no the locals weren't like that the police department did that and tried to cancel the missing person case i'll say this perhaps they got the cases and the case numbers mixed up and so they okay. accidentally well, canceled Joshua Maddox's saying, no, he's fine. He's living in the next town over. And then it, then they were like, wait, holy shit. We got that wrong. That's some other dude. He's living in the next I mean, town over. So now we got to reopen like, it. Only, or, what am I saying? Colorado Springs. It's not a huge city. Uh-uh. And where like, they live city. within Colorado Springs is its own little entity as well that only like, has 8,000 people in it. That's smaller than our little city. Absolutely. That's half the size of our, I mean, granted, I'm sure it was more spread out, yes. but that's half the size of the population of our city. Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, yeah, so it was kind of small podunk town police. So it's not like they were too busy to deal with it. They just probably didn't I know what to do with it and have the right. wherewithal or quality of detective. The resources, to, exactly. Yeah, the resources yep. to deal with it. Fair point. Exactly. So when the police tell them that they believe that Josh was simply curious about the cabin, you know, with its history and whatnot, and that his death death was a tragic accident, his family had issues with this conclusion. But you know what? So did cabin owner Chuck Murphy. So Chuck raises a big old ruckus because he said, and this is what I want you to ask your friend Lou, he said it would have been impossible for Joshua to have entered the chimney from the roof. He questioned the coroner's conclusion of accidental death because he said Chuck himself had built that chimney 20 years before, and during the construction, it had been fitted with a thick wire mesh that hung from steel hooks 
used to keep animals and debris from becoming lodged inside the chimney and to keep animals from entering the cabin. But he said, yeah, exactly. He said it was a really heavy wire grate in a wire mesh. And he installed it across the chimney about two rows of bricks from the top because he didn't want any trouble with with raccoons and whatnot. So he said... You know, like, it would have been impossible for one person to have moved this on his own to gain access because it was heavy. So Al Bourne, the coroner, is like, okay, but what if the grate had rusted or corroded? And Chuck is like, no, it was super construction quality. It wouldn't have done that in, in 10 years or 20 years. But here's the problem. The coroner does not have any photos of the metal mesh or anything like that because Chuck could not produce them because during demolition, now they started from the top, you know, as one would, Chuck and his crew had already removed the heavy metal grate as a team and taken that metal to be scrapped as part of the cleanup, you know, of of the um, demolition process. So, okay, new new question. Okay. I'm wondering if there's any details of how long this process of, of um, demolition took. Because is there any chance that, well, I mean, he was mum, quote unquote mummified, but could someone have put the body there knowing that the building was being demolished and waited until it started and then stuck it in there? Interesting hypothesis. I don't know. I do not know. All I know is that I mean, demolition people, I'm started. In my, in my experience of television, um, and, you know, that people probably don't. As an armchair detective. You yeah. You don't move a body. more. Like once it, once you've disposed of it, you don't move it 20 years or seven years later. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Seven, seven, seven. Seven. Six, seven, seven, seven. Sorry. Seven, if you watch seven, friends. Seven. seven. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. Yes. So but yeah, you don't, you, don't, I, you don't move on. I had not considered that. I think it would be very difficult to get a body in a natural mummified state without like a, a peat uh, bog. Have you ever heard of a peat bog? That's usually, if someone's body gets put in a peat bog, they end up being mummified because there's very low oxygen. Like a bog, like in B-O-G. Scotland? Yeah, a peat. Like a bog or like a swampy bog? Mm-hmm. Yes, but there's a particular one called a peat bog that is very... Uh, Usually, like associated, yes. Usually associated with mummified remains. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Also good to know. So I do think that it would be difficult for someone to have, say, you know, buried him somewhere, like something like that. So I know. really want. I really am curious as to if he was stuck in the chimney because the coroner said he got down there willingly, or uh, no, his assumption was that he went there, got in there willingly. Right, he I'm does. Just, he like, does change that. Which, um, he I mean, does change I'm his. And I don't even want to think about it. But like, if you crawl up a chimney, it's like there's got to be enough room to get. If you're going to get stuck in a chimney, you're going to get stuck pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I I would think. I mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, this is all speculation. I would think you're going to get stuck pretty quick. Not crawl five feet up it and be like, "Well, shit, I'm stuck now." I'm just trying to picture the dynamics and physics of this because I'm. 6'2", 190 pounds. Right. And there's, there's just, like, first of all, the, fl- yeah, shut up. No, I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> the, fl- the flexibility of, like, I'm not. So it's like, how, 
and he was upside down. I've seen you strain yourself stretching. So, yeah, you Shut know up. flexibility. Putting on socks is my nemesis. Right. So, so I'm going to say that, like, here's the problem is that, one, the body was moved, you know, inadvertently because demolition. And, two, we don't know about this grate. No one could ever, could see it. That would make a huge difference in this case if that grate but, wasn't there or someone else had think of this hypothesis. What if some other punk kids had come along and moved that grate in an attempt to gain access to, to the cabin to explore it and realized, shit, we're going to get stuck in there. So then they just never put the grate back on. But Chuck is claiming that he said they demolished it from the top, starting at he the did. top. Yep, he did but say that. Did they, mm-hmm. they, they, but they don't. They didn't. They weren't going to pay attention to if the grate was in the de- demolition. Right. That part, I don't think either. I mean, they just all but they I could also, say was that I, the grate no longer exists. It's been taken for scrap. I just don't. I just don't feel like Chuck would push the issue if he had any guilt in this. I agree. Yes, exactly. And actually, my next comment was that many people have come forward from this town that said, you know, that know Chuck Murphy and his family and have said, like, he is a super nice, caring person. He sounds like a stand-up guy. Yes. Good people for the community. Like, he called the police right when he knew, but also he fought the coroner in saying, no, no, this was not an accident. He didn't gain entry that way. I think that someone put him there. That's well, Chuck's gut. Okay, and, so that's Chuck who had access to the cabin. Right. Well, in the no one really except for him, essentially. Um, the like the, um, but he was cleared. You know, the um, windows were boarded up. Like all of those things. He doesn't have any motive to want to fib about why this happened. But some people have thrown some shade at him saying, we think that you are trying to say that he couldn't have gained access that way because you're trying to avoid a lawsuit by an insurance company or something like that. Okay, so worst case scenario for Chuck is that he's lying about the grade because of insurance purposes and lawsuits. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I don't I don't there's zero reason to believe. Chuck murdered Josh. No, ex- absolutely not. Like, like, mm-hmm. There's no reason. I mean, again, negligence, sure, whatever. But there's no reason to think Chuck was responsible for the bath. Right. Yep. But he is adamant that no, absolutely not. The metal had been scrapped away, and it was there. So either way, we have no documented proof that that was there. But the coroner was compelled to re-examine the case, and just three days after he closed it, he reopened it. And he took a deeper dive into it. And that's when they figure out that Josh's clothing that weren't on his body were neatly folded inside the cabin. But there's also another discovery, Jason. And that is that a large... I'm 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 literally on the edge of my recliner. I bet you are. The large kitchen cabinet... The, or excuse me, I should say, there was a large kitchen cabinet that was in the kitchen. It had been ripped away from the kitchen wall, slid across the cabin, and placed directly in front of the fireplace entrance. Okay? To block it. To block it, essentially. However, we don't know when this happened. It was used as a storage unit. You know, could it have, were there other people that had gotten into the cabin and kind of squatted for a while? We It was abandoned for 10 years. We don't know. But it looks shady as hell when there is a big 
kitchen bar thing in front of the fireplace that a dead body is found in and clothes are neatly folded outside of all of that that are missing from the body. So I, I, I feel like the, the folded clothes is sticking in me, in me, mm-hmm. sticking to my mind. It's <laughs> so sticking in you, is it? It's sticking in me. Mm-hmm. I feel that Joshua would have been the one to fold his own clothes. Okay. I don't, I've never, I mean, you know, I watched every episode of Criminal Minds. I've done a lot. I mean, I'm into this stuff. I just don't understand a, a synopsis. Synopsis? No. What am I looking at? You don't understand a scenario Thank where you. like a killer would take the time right. like, why would a killer to fold, fold his clothes? clothes? Like mm-hmm. when they, you know, when a killer, when a killer, and based on all the shows I watched, when a killer kills somebody and like cleans them up and closes their eyes and folds their arms, it's like a sign, like some weird mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen, heard of, ever seen or heard of anything in the hundreds of shows I've watched and investigations I've In your TV of. education, nothing has pointed to a murderer folding the clothes. Right. I agree I mean, with you. In my, in my 46 years on this earth, I've never heard of such a thing. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like that's a thing where a, a person, if maybe if they were, if Josh was, again, we went back to the whole was he using hallucinogenic? Was something going on? Mm-hmm. Did he have any mental health problems? Was he OCD? Did he have a weird thing where he's like, I'm going to die now. I feel like folding my clothes is appropriate. I don't know. Right. That To me, that to me, no matter what, whatever was going on with Josh, that seems like a thing Josh would do, not a mm-hmm. person who killed him. That's a fair like point a person, that I a hadn't. Person, a person, if a person put a gun to Josh's head and said, crawl up this chimney ass first, and I'm going to block you in there, Take off all your clothes first, and then they would burn his clothes. They would get rid of his clothes. I did think of that, too. It's in my notes later, but that was my thought, too, is now if they're trying to hide his body, they would also hide his clothes. Right. They wouldn't leave evidence behind. And that's what leads me to believe that Josh was hiding from someone. I mean, truly. Or tripping balls. I, I, yeah. I gotta feel like he was tripping balls. Well, I haven't I, given you all the other information yet. All right. I will say that the coroner also had concerns with the positioning of the body, as he said that he was found in the fetal position with his knees above his head, but his hips were actually displaced from his torso. Um, the revised autopsy report said that the cause of death was an accidental death, murder, or undetermined causes. So, Al. Uh, right. It's basically all of it. Like, Pick a box and check it. They keep picking out all three. He, he's just like, I don't know, man. I don't know. He's a dead body. That's all I know. Yep, yep. He said, we've come up with the most plausible explanation, and it will remain an accident. He did come down the chimney, and that's our conclusion. But he was willing to revise it to say it could have been a murder and, un- and other undetermined causes. So what, what did they say? His hips were. They were displaced from his torso. But I'm going to say this in natural stages of decomposition. At some point in time, the joints are going to fall away as ligaments and whatnot deteriorate. So well, it doesn't mean I'm, we have I'm no information to say that it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he's in a peculiar, peculiar position mm-hmm. for as he decayed that's probably a thing for sure it really it is and also we don't have the information there is no autopsy information to say that we know for sure that this happened before he died or post-mortem so 
you know, it's just kind of one of those things that's like, well, between gravity and natural stages of decomp, more than likely the hips would have disjointed from the body, you know, definitely. I'm so so stuck on the whole level of decomposition over assuming a six and a half to seven year period. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know we like you know, I know you said that the using a chimney and the level of oxidation or whatever we want to call it just oxygen, it just but seems, yeah, because again, it's they have hot. There's hot summers there. There are, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, they they have hot summers in Colorado Springs, and that's what makes me believe that that steel grate really was on there, Jay. Right. I mean, rain rarely falls straight down. First of all, so right. but that's. That's what makes me believe that that great really might have been up there, and that's why he was able to be mummified. And well, Chuck, like, even if they're not getting all that. They're not getting a foot of snow inside their chimney. No, like that's no, no. And Chuck Murphy literally was quoted as saying, "There's no way that that craw- that that guy crawled inside the chimney with the steel webbing. He didn't come down the chimney. He remained convinced that Josh's death had been no accident." adding that he was only wearing his thermal shirt. No pants, no shoes, no socks, nothing. He said it's ridiculous to think that the teen stripped down to just his shirt, climbed up on the roof, and then then slid down the chimney, knowing full well, well that he's going to be trapped. And his clothes were found inside, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So he got inside. No, like, it's, again, he didn't crawl up there naked and someone said, I'm going to put his clothes inside this place. I'm going to break in to put mm-hmm. his folded clothes inside. More, I mean. He, he, he went up it, not down it. Mm-hmm. That is what I believe. That's what Chuck believes. But we kind of can't rule anything out. Let me share with you a little bit more of information. So let's circle back to when Joshua went missing. So remember I said that the police had received a lot of tips, both anonymous and otherwise, and that they didn't really follow up on a lot? One of those tips named a man who was released in 2019 from a Texas prison and had several previous times served in Seattle and Portland and, ex- and, an, and, and had an extensive history of violent crime. One tip-off had informed the police that this man had been seen with Josh hanging out pretty regularly prior to his disappearance, and this man's name was Andrew Richard Newman. And, and he is a murderer. I'm, in a, I'm about to get to it. Andrew Richard Newman had a significant criminal pass, past, which included attacking a police officer, disorderly drunkenness, grand theft, and battery, He'd already been caught for stabbing a disabled man to death. He also admitted to murdering a woman in, uh, like, in murdering a woman and placing her in a barrel in Taos, New Mexico. However, police had already arrested someone else for the woman's murder and decided to charge that person instead of Andrew. So he didn't, he admitted to it. They already had somebody on the line for it, I guess. Well, well, the justice system. (laughs) Yes, yes. So it doesn't appear as though follow-up was really ever done. But I will say this. I did find this post, too. There was a, a Reddit post where someone got on there and said, Listen, I went to high school with this skinny, dorky hippie named Andy who played guitar in a band. 
I was never good friends with him or anything, but a year or so after I graduated, one of my good friends, Josh, started hanging out with him, and then Josh went missing. It turns out that in addition to becoming a lot scarier looking, Andy had indeed headed down to New Mexico, where he actually, the other thing is that Josh and Andrew often talked about heading to New Mexico and Mexico together. So here Andy is going down to New Mexico where he found himself shooting the shit with the caretaker of a disabled guy. And he got invited over to their apartment. So there's this caretaker who's taking care of this disabled guy that all three of them go back into back to this guy's apartment. The caretaker gets in the shower and when he comes back out, the disabled guy is stabbed to death and Andy's gone. When Andy got arrested, he also claimed to have killed a woman in Taos and suffered, or excuse me, and stuffed her body in a barrel. The cops had already indeed found a woman stuffed in a barrel in Taos, but already had somebody else in custody for it and decided to stick with that guy instead. Years later, I found out that the caretaker had died in a bar fight. And without him, the cops didn't have much in the way of evidence somehow, so that case against Andy was dropped. Two, several of us went to the cops saying, yo, Josh went missing and he was last seen hanging out with this Andy who's a murderer. Maybe you should check that out. But despite a fair amount of pestering, nothing ever really came of it. And by nothing, I mean the police mostly didn't even return our calls. I got a little lost. Okay. So Andy, Andy claims to have murdered two people. So the, the caretaker... The caretaker of the disabled guy gets in the shower and the disabled guy and Andy are hanging out. The caretaker gets out of the shower. Disabled guy is stabbed to death. Andy is on the run. He escaped. He's gone. So uh, the caretaker goes to the police and is like, hey, this is what happened. This is this guy's name. So they arrest him. Okay. He already had a rap sheet, too. But then the caretaker gets himself killed in a bar fight and he was their only witness to the crime. So they had to drop the case because the rest, the, the, the other evidence wasn't collected correctly okay. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So that's where and, and Josh, he. And Josh was seen hanging out with Andy. Yes. Josh and Andy had been buds and had been talking about going to Mexico and New Mexico together. So doesn't seem like rocket science to me. Well, right. Here's the thing: well, is he, that the coroner if he stopped there, if he claimed, even though he they even though they wanted to pin it on another guy, if he's claiming he murdered a woman and stuffed her in a barrel, mm-hmm. and they had already found that woman, it, when he admitted to that, they had already found her stuffed in a barrel and heart had already arrested another person for that. So they right. stuck with that guy instead of Andy. So he didn't and get charged true. for that either, it's possibly because. True. But sometimes people do admit to shit that they didn't do, like right. murderers I mean, I guess, do. I mean, I, let's let's assume they had evidence to support their decision for the to other guy. The other mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Let's so, say that, but we don't we don't actually know that. For all we know, that yeah. other guy was a raging piece of shit, and they've been wanting to get him off the streets a lot. Right. And so this was a very convenient way to do it, and that's why they ignored Andy's uh, admission. But the but the. The connection of stuffing a woman in a barrel and stuffing a person up a, up a chimney. Thank you. That's the exact point I was going to make. Thank you. And, and, and you know, and you know, we don't believe in. 
the other thing is, so I can't find any information where Andy was ever contacted by the police, interviewed, followed up on, nothing. But when you look him up, he literally goes from mental hospital to prison to mental hospital release to prison. He is a, a regular. His last release that I could find on him on him was 2019. I don't I, know I where really he's at wish, today. I wish there was, and I, again, I don't, I wish there was more information on Joshua's mental health. Yep. And that's why I brought up his childhood in the very beginning, Jay. Because we just don't know, right? Like we don't. Whole, that, whole, that whole thing, we don't know. You, like you said, you don't know when his parents divorced. Right. Trauma. Right. You know, his brother committed suicide. Obviously, trauma. that's traumatic. Yes. There, mm-hmm. There's, I mean, again, we both know there when mental health can be hereditary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and we know it's documented the- his brother suffered from severe depression. Mm-hmm. Right. Severe diagnosed depression, meaning Joshua could very well have suffered from any various mental health issues. Yep. Here's the other thing that I just like, you know, I, well, we both have 17 year olds or nearly 17 year olds. <sighs> I kind of, <laughs> I kind of thought about this too. Like what if him and Andy were having like a romantic relationship and things started to get out of hand in that cabin and scary for Joshua. And he felt like he needed to hide. And then he got stuck and Andy wasn't going to help him. You know, I mean, obviously Andy has murderous capabilities. Of that we I, can be sure. I just find it, well, okay. So you open this can of worms. So hypothetical scenario, Josh and Andy are romantically involved. They break into a cabin that's been boarded up mm-hmm. and are hanging out there that would feasibly explain why Joshua doesn't have any pants on mm-hmm. and then something happens and you're saying Joshua is like oh my god leave me alone I'm gonna crawl up the fucking chimney no I I don't I don't necessarily think that so much as you know whether he was what about a scenario where he's trying to get away from him. I don't know how big, I mean, the cabin, the pictures of the cabin you doesn't. Don't, you don't run and hide in a chimney then. Well, sorry. if he, like he, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, you know, the I problem know is we're trying to think. Cabin was. Right, right. It's not a gigantic cabin. I don't know if they're playing a game of chase and cat and mouse, like in terms of things got scary and he's trying to evade Andy. And so he's like, you know what? Wait, what if I stay quiet what? and I pull my legs up? So that Hold up. let me step into the chimney. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, People do weird know. shit. Listen, the white I girls just, run up the stairs in every serial killer movie to safety. I know, but I just, I just think that's the most illogical thing ever. Again, unless they were, we, I don't want to accuse people of using drugs, but whatever. Like, right. I just find we that, very, I just find that, that. Incredibly, incredibly unlikely that somebody's mindset is like, I'm going to hide in here. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, I literally have never been in a situation like that, so I couldn't tell you what the fuck I would do. Do you think logically in, you know, in you scary high stress? Lady Susan. <laughs> I know. For me, it's a little bit different, definitely. But like, still, if I'm caught sink. in the lazy Susan J, I'm dead. Like that you logic. Under, you, can hide, you can hide under the sink. I, I could, but if I'm caught, I can't escape. That's the thing I'm about hiding. My, You're taking a risk. That. I'm not, I'm not looking at my fireplace going, yeah, that's a good idea. Well, I might, though, because I legitimately could fit there. 
So he's thinking that he's a, a skinny kid. Like, I'm tall. What if I just lift my legs up here? Next Upside thing you, down? Well, next thing you know, he's trying to scoot himself higher and higher. And before he knows it, his fucking knees are above is, his head. And there he is. No, there's no, in all of our theories on this, there's not, there's, logic doesn't support it. Right. Well, logic doesn't support most of this. And I think that's the problem. I do think that whatever really happened, logic was out the fucking door because none of it explains why the fucking clothes were off this kid and folded in that cabin. Like, okay, let's go back to your hypothesis that maybe they're romantically involved. They're hooking up in an abandoned cabin. Who folds their clothes? Well, I don't, like you said, was he OCD? Okay. Andy was, is fucking crazy. Like I can tell you, and I'll, I wish you were in the studio with me so I could show you his mugshot. The man is unhinged. He's just one of those, like you look at his face and he doesn't pass a sniff test. Uh, Like, no, he's going to be a shit. A hundred percent. Okay. I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. I I believe you. He legitimately might have been like, and folding the clothes after knowing <laughs> that he that that he had trapped him in that chimney legitimately, and let's say this like, what if he told him get your get your ass in the chimney, and then he put that bar in front of it? So then, what if Joshua was trying to climb up the chimney to get out because he couldn't push the bar, the big uh, kitchen yeah. bar, right? Yeah. There's so okay. many possibilities here. Okay. Okay. I, but and it's all just speculation. Like we really, we really don't know. And there's all things right. you know, like we had already talked about the autopsy. Like just because the the report said there wasn't drugs or alcohol doesn't mean it just means that you know they didn't find any. It doesn't mean there was never. But what about Carrie Underwood's songs where she sings about giving her husband something in his Tennessee whiskey that no law man will ever find? What the fuck kind of music do you listen to? It's country. Oh, that's why you don't know what I'm talking about. You do not listen to country. Oh, yeah. Jesus she's Christ. she. That's that's a legitimate. Carrie Underwood kills a lot of husbands in her songs, and it's badass, but not like how we talk about it. Murder's wrong. But her songs hit sometimes. But. For <laughs> 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 real, though, she sings about, you know, giving her abusive husband something. Anyway, this is what I want to end on. I never found any information that the cabin was swept for fingerprints. So if the correct, like you said, though, small town, lack of resources, lack of training, chalked up by the coroner pretty quickly that this is accidental, that this poor kid just got trapped coming down the chimney before we really started to look at the details. Then the cabin's demolished, but there was no fingerprints ever taken to know if Andy was in that cabin. Or anyone else, for that matter, to be fair. So in our small town of Lower Michigan, you know how much I support our local law enforcement. Absolutely. I've said it several times on our podcast. If we're talking about a town half the size of ours, mm-hmm. um, I'm yeah. guessing. I'm guessing those guys don't even know how to take fingerprints, and it's not like they called in the FBI. No, and so there right. wasn't any. And the other side of that coin is I don't. I have no knowledge of this, so I'm. I'm just saying. How long do fingerprints last? I don't know. That's a good question. Like, are they? Are you going to find a fingerprint from seven years ago? Great question. 
I don't know. I, 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 that would I, be something I don't know to that. look into. Yep. But but yeah, hair, no, I, yes, I, but fingerprint. Well, right. I mean, not. hair and DNA, hair and DNA, sure, but mm-hmm. a fingerprint on the door or on the window where like there was no signs of break-in. I um, did, I did think Chuck it's hard Murphy to tell not, did, because did it was Murphy the, say there's any like did they not look? Chuck Murphy's like I bought this place ten years ago and it's been boarded up. I'm gonna tear it down it, and never look to see if there were signs of breaking. It was in, it was described as being in a dilapidated state and animals had gained entry. Well, so, if animals can gain entry. Small humans can. Right. Yep. Yeah. Humans can too. Yeah. Did you know raccoons? An average female raccoon can fit her body into a three inch space. Oh, and, yeah. And it, yeah, and the average human rectum can stretch seven inches without taking permanent damage. So technically you can stick two raccoons up your ass. Wow. I think that's information that our listeners will want to know. Good conversation piece at their next dinner party. And now you know. Yes, thank you for dropping that knowledge on us. And I'm gonna have to really process that. Two raccoons up the ass. You can literally okay. put two raccoons in your asshole before it rips. Okay, fairly certain I can't, but no, I, no. I mean that's I, I, that's average. That's a full grown human. We're not yeah. Gonna, we're, yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about. We're, we're, I'm just saying this is this is factual. Remember what, when that re- old guy re- asked me if I was a full grown human? human? <laughs> yeah. Are you a full grown human? Yep, yeah. I'm thirty. Right. That was funny. Raccoons in the ass. That happens and it can happen. Mm. And that's factual. I'm not just making that up. That's research. There's more merch for us. Raccoons in the ass. That happens. Two raccoons. (laughs) Good God. Well, thank you for that. I'm super glad that I invited you on the podcast. I I should have saved that for the I should have saved that for the past. I think so. And we're actually we're actually there at the brain bath because that's all the information that I had. I think that I think most logically for me, my thoughts on this are that he possibly took something that did not show up in the autopsy report, woke up after it was already very cold, paradoxically undressed, and found himself in a precarious position, or he was hiding from some unknown violence that we're unaware of. Right. I support that. I rest in peace. Joshua, but yes. I feel like Andy. I feel like Andy was probably involved in this. Yes, but I also just based on what we've talked about and the evidence, I think that there was possibly some sort of substance abuse involved, you know, mushrooms or hallucinogenics or something, mm-hmm. where he voluntarily crawled up a chimney. And again, I don't know. I've never crawled up a chimney, so maybe he got twisted up and trying to get out and ended up upside down. Right, right. But yeah, I, the, the, there's no other signs of. No trauma to the body. Nope, there wasn't. So I don't think he went up there again voluntary, voluntarily or involuntarily, but he climbed up there one way or the other. He didn't just fall and up. He didn't, I, I don't think he fell down the chimney. No. He crawled up the chimney. I agree. Yep. That's where I'm at too. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's super weird. Yes. I I agree. I do think those are just our personal opinions. We're not accused, you know, we're not making accusations here. It's just a lot of people are pointing in the same way that are from this small town. So gotcha. it would be nice if uh, some follow-up was done that way. The other thing that I did leave out, I didn't mean to intentionally, I just skipped over it in my notes on accident, was that some people from the small town who called in those anonymous, they're not anonymous, those tips, had said, 
literally they heard Andy bragging about stuffing Josh in a hole. So they called this stuff in. It wasn't appropriately followed up on for whatever reason. And now here we are. So I agree with you. If anything anything ever happens to me mysteriously and I disappear, but if they're not looking into shit, you need to. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know. Like if I just disappear, like I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but Jesus, like. Don't don't be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. Like, he totally did that himself. No. No. Blow that shit up. Right. And make right. sure they find out what happened to me. Yeah, you can count on me. Don't worry. I'll rally all your family and friends, and we'll yeah. get this shit get, done. Get, you know my connections outside of Michigan. Get that yep. shit together. Yep, I will. Don't, don't let don't let me be one of your future cases. I, I will do my best. And if you are, just know I'll use only flattering photos. I don't think that I am. <laughs> I'll find one. I'll Photoshop if I have to. It'll be fine. Use one of those filters. Yes, yes. All right. So are you going to grace our listeners with a brain bag? I am happy to if you want to. I warned you what it was about. You did. It was appropriate. I just got to tell you that I'm clutching what has now become my comfort genuine kangaroo scrotum sack. So I mentioned that's, it on a previous that, episode. and No I, no one has ever said that sentence in the history of man. Ever. Nope. But here I am clutching it for comfort. And okay. and I'm ready. Okay. So your, your brain bath for the day. I'm 46 years old and I went to the doctor for my annual checkup. And the whole regular maintenance thing is like you're at that age where, you know, colonoscopies are a normal thing to check for colon cancer. Sure. But my doctor is like, no, we don't need to do that. You don't have any signs. You don't have any history. I'm going to do a prescription for, I don't know if I should say the brand name, but whatever. So this thing where they send you a box and you shit in it and send it back in the mail. <laughs> what? And I'm like, and I'm that's like, that's a thing? Yes, that's a hundred percent thing. Cause I see, I, and I, the weird part is, is I have Hulu and I've seen these commercials on Hulu. I'm like, that's messed up. Hulu's targeting you because of your age. And this this was before, right? So I'm like, okay. So I get this thing in the mail like four days later. And it's like, it's not a big box. It's like a 10 inch by 10 inch square. Oh my God. And I'm like, like, that's a small box. And I open it up and there's this very high density Ziploc bag secured to the inside of the box. You unziplock that. And there's a small bucket that I'm just going to guess is like less than a quart. <laughs> You're like opening a present inside a present inside a present. It is. It's like one of those little Russian dolls. Yes. Of, of a, a box you shit in. So, <laughs> and, I, and, it's, and I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I don't know. And so I like put it off and put it off and put it off. And like, I had anxiety about it. Cause I'm like, yeah. like they, the, the, the instructions are very specific. Like they want a small sample yeah they do like, for you, urine samples too and i always well, overgive but there's, but there's yeah, i overgive there's this whole apparatus that you attach to your toilet and put the bucket in then close the seat and then you poop in the bucket <laughs> and it's like and i'm looking at this thing I'm like that's that's small <laughs> like, I'm, I'm i'm concerned of like the quantity they want and what i'm capable of controlling right this makes sense to so, me so I'm like, okay, like they like, we just like you set you, the train leaves the station. You can't stop the train and they only want the engine. No, right. 
like this is this is this caused and you know me like i'm i'm a bit of an anxious person this kept me up i'm like i can't do it and then on top of the fact like my diet's not my diet is not ideal not good no like it's mostly it's mostly meat and bourbon like i'm like what am like yeah i've seen you eat herring yeah well pickled herring's delicious shut up so they want like high density they want a good fiber diet of a sample i'm like holy cow so i'm like then they're sending me messages and they're like i'm golfing with my buddy and they're like hey i get a text message they're like you need to send your sample i'm like fuck off relax i'll do it you so can't. i go home and i'm oh god this is awful so you i go can't home. rush perfection god damn it right i'm like i'm like like base like you can't and you can't give them fucking syrup like, no no they don't, they don't want explosive diarrhea no, they don't want a, just a root beer to spit. Like, and you can't eat a bunch of spinach the night before. <laughs> they don't want just. They don't want like a big loafy ball oh, of shit in your green. bucket. Green. It's awful. So, I do. So then, I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this, and I like literally watch my diet all day, and I eat a bunch of cheese before bed, which I don't know why I <laughs> thought that would help. Jesus. <laughs> So, Does, and I do, do you that. think that your colon works that quickly? Like what you eat the day before comes out the very next day? My ass is like a German train station. Oh, always on time. Very yeah. regular. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, so I eat, the, I eat some cheese. I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, this is gotta be good. And so I do this and then they're like, you have to like pinch it off, which there's no other way to express that. There's sure. no verbalization yeah. other to say that you pinch it off. Yeah. And like, cause they only want like this much poo. Yes. Like, yes. You can't fill the, you can't, I could fill the bucket. They don't want you to fill the bucket. No, you can't overgive. Yes. So then you like take it out and put it on the, like put it aside and finish <laughs> what you're doing. And now I'm sitting there and there's a shelf next to my toilet and all I can, sm- like, you don't understand when you go to the bathroom and you shit in the toilet, the water in the toilet masks the odor correct when you shit in a plastic bucket and sit it next to you and then finish shitting it is <laughs> the most awful thing in the world <laughs> and you're so ashamed of yourself and your smell yeah, it's an awful it's a horrible experience your and dignity then, is then, sitting next to you smelling awful yes so then i so i finish what i'm doing and then the next step of this process is they give you a little tube with a stick in it with like this spiraled end Oh, like what you clean like straws little, with. Yeah, like a little screwdriver end, like yes. a corkscrew end. Mm-hmm. And they want you to scrape they want you to scrape your poo mm. and stick it in this vial and like contain mm. it. I don't know why they need a pile of poo and then a little bit of poo. That makes no sense to me. Yes. Well different so yeah, I'm, different lab so, techniques, yes. So I'm, so I'm trying to do this and I I just I <laughs> I, I can't. Like it's <laughs> like I, I literally it was so bad, and I just I just did it, and then I shoved it on the box, and he was like, "Tape the box shut," and then of course you have to send it back by UPS. So I have to drive a half an hour to a UPS store because we live in fucking Illinois nowhere. Right. And so I'm driving in my Jeep a half hour to this UPS store with this box, there's a box of your there's a box and a bag and a bucket and my own shit in it. And it's like, I can't smell it because it's so sealed up, but I know what's in there. Right. I know what's in the box. Right. Did and you then, put it in the then, back seat? No, I put it next to me in the passenger seat. <laughs> and I'm just staring at it, driving down Route 12. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you and, you and, and your can, grumpies just listening to some music. Oh God. And all I can think of is 
the movie Seven with Brad Pitt. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> and so I get there, and there's this poor, like, 19-year-old college girl working at UPS. And I walk in there with no. a 10-inch squared box filled with my own poo. And I'm like, hi, how's it going? <laughs> I was like, this is pre-posted. Like, just send this wherever it's going. It feels like, like a federal offense. I feel like you I'm, committed a federal mail offense by sending thinking, your own and I, shit. And I wanted, I wanted to tell her it says right side up for a reason. <laughs> Please and don't then, spill my dignity. And then this thing is getting shipped to Wisconsin overnight by plane to some <laughs> quote unquote specialist who is qualified for inspecting my shit. Yes. And I don't know what they get paid, but it's not enough. No, definitely not. But also, can you imagine that conversation at dinner? So, hey, John, what are you going to go into? Well, I think that I'd like to go into either environmental science or I'd like to be in a lab all day inspecting people's shit. I mean, how does that go? I don't I don't know how you make that career choice, but long Bless story short, I got... I got the results and I don't have colon cancer, so that's Congratulations. Good. That is amazing. I'm so glad that I, you put yourself through that, but to well, find that and out. I, and I only have to do that every three to five years, but I quite <laughs> honestly would rather just be put under anesthesia and get a goddamn colonoscopy because <laughs> this was awful. <laughs> I'm dying at the visualization of you struggling with the smallness especially considering you have a cat and you know that sometimes she has a problem shitting in her gigantic litter box so I can't imagine that you would have thought your poo could go where it needed to go like oversharing what we know about each other and you know how I much how often and frequent I shit but like it was just it was so traumatic I was literally I was it was traumatizing for me I'm. I am sorry about that. At least you got good news from all your efforts. And yeah, I'm like, oh, that was totally worth it. I'm glad my insurance covered it. Thank God, because if they made me pay to make me <laughs> get in a bucket and sift through it myself, I've been really fucking mad. Sift through it myself. Oh God. Yeah, I'm. I, I, but I. I can't explain to you how much worse poop in a plastic container is than poop in your own toilet. Oh yeah. Like, that, you know, the water the water in your plumbing masks it infinitely. I'm glad that you say that because actually a case, you'll have to go back and listen to episode uh, 154 and 155, I believe it is, the case of Stephen Smith. He was a very abused child, lived in a cellar for 13 years, and he had to shit in a bucket in that cellar. So can you imagine? It was that, a very small cellar. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine. That's mm-hmm. the, that is torturous, yes. to, say the, to say the least. Yeah, that was the uh, that was really the most minimal like, thing that he lived and, through and, as well. And the, but... the messed up part is, you know, I have a strong stomach for odor. I am surprised that it made you nearly vomit, right. but then again, it you is know, your own shit. But it was. But I mean, again, our work experiences—we've seen some horrific things. We've stepped you in know, horrific well, things, I, and I'm just like, whatever. Like, I don't know. But like it was, this was dry heaves earlier weren't fake. Like thinking <laughs> retelling of, thinking, the story, thinking about it, like the memory, the whatever the the, the smell, whatever the technical word for that is, thinking about the memory of the smell mm-hmm. was horrifying to me. Well, smell is actually our strongest memory. Yeah, great. Well, then <laughs> so, now I now I have those nightmares. You're Thanks. right. You're welcome for that.
Good Lord. Do you remember that time in CPS when you saved me from the family of termites that was about to fall on my head? Those are cockroaches. Oh, that's what I meant. Cockroaches. What did I say? Termites? No. Cockroaches. Yeah, Yeah, no, those are cockroaches. Yep. When you're standing under a door frame and they're literally mm-hmm. hanging the from door it. frame and hanging off, I'm like, ooh, it's mm-hmm. time to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the push there, that you gave I, me. I had, an, I had another case where I was with a, a worker that you know, I won't say her name because obviously it's not appropriate, but we were in a home and there was this, a weird brown stain on the wall. Ooh. And she's like, is that shit? I was like, it could be chocolate. It's she's never like, chocolate. Are you ser-? She's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. So I literally, it was clearly dried up so i stuck my face up to it and tried to smell it Mm-mm. and she's like you didn't just do that i'm like well there's only one way to find out she's like what it smell like i'm like nothing so we don't know if it's shit or chocolate i can't believe it was it was like 80 mm-hmm. percent chance it was shit listen i know this is called crime curious but i'm not that curious but i'm gonna shove my face into a dark brown spot i was being i was being thorough my I'm, supervisor it, she was my supervisor i was like i had to prove a point and wow you know, wow. That that that's an that's one of. What uh, if it had smelled like shit? You would have vomited in this stranger's house. Probably. Yeah. And then, I and know then I when we, then we would have known that they had shit smeared on their wall. Oh. But I can't definitively Listen, say that it was. I'm not so that dedicated. Not like, right. <laughs> well, I am, but I'm not. At the same time, I'm just going to ask questions, and when they say it's not shit, then I'm going to ask what it is. Use deductive we, we, reasoning. We, should, we could have we could have a whole two hour episode about our work experience. We definitely could. We definitely could. But no I'm one sure has. We, maybe maybe another time. That would be right. a good good a bonus, bonus case. It, it is. You're absolutely right. It's funny. We just said that at the same time. All but, right. Well, God rest. God rest. Rest in peace, Joshua. Yes, Joshua. Ultra bizarre, and I don't think we'll ever know what happened to him. No, I don't think so either. Not without like a I, deathbed confession or something I, I from have, someone. I have strong convictions that mm-hmm. Andrew was involved. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think a lot of people do. But like I said, without a deathbed confession, we may never know. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this case. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to follow me on social media, Crime Curious at yahoo.com you can send emails to um if you would like to send case suggestions just put case suggestion in the subject line or your own personal brain bath like jason was so gracious to just give us and put brain bath in the subject line and if you feel so inclined to support this podcast and get bonus episodes um and access to the one we were referring to today where jason special was a special guest on um feel free to go to patreon.com slash crime curious so until next time everybody keep it curious thanks for listening bye-bye are you gonna say bye-bye there you go there you go you got it 